Welcome, everyone, to All About Windows Phone Inside Podcast 113, recording this on Tuesday, the 14th of October, 2014. I'm Steve Litchfield. With me, the uh, the man who kind of caused a delay by not appearing last week because he was elsewhere in another country, Mr. Rafe Blanford. Yeah, hello. Thank you, Steve. Yes, apologies for kind of skipping a week uh, again after having promised that we would try to avoid doing it. I was actually in New York for the launch of uh, HTC's new Desire iPhone as well as their uh, re-camera might talk about that a little bit at the end there isn't really a, a windows phone side to it uh htc although they're making their services available on ios aren't yet doing it on windows phone kind of a inevitable prioritization thing given the r- relative market share and installed base of those devices but I do think it's interesting to see a manufacturer expanding beyond smartphones but uh, we might come back to that if we have time at the end of the podcast in the two weeks that we've kind of been away from podcasting there's actually been a fair bit of news to work through and i know you've been having hands on with some of the latest lumia devices so i'm very keen to get your views on that steve well indeed um we had a a first impressions from ewan who has <laughs> popped up after an absence of a few months to first impressions on both devices and then i went into the the, the more formal review of the 735 plus the 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 hotly anticipated camera um, quality uh, evaluation for the Lumia 830 and my review of that is coming up in the next few days on All About Windows Phone. So there's been quite a bit of hands-on device coverage and I want to come to this later in the podcast, Ray, just to tease people. We, maybe we can cover some of the smaller stories first. Um, starting with something that I haven't actually researched at all. You, you spotted a new OEM over in Russia and I have just to say that I've, the reason I find... I, it's hard to, to raise any enthusiasm for these devices. They all seem to be based around the same references. Are they all look more or less identical, and almost none of them are coming to this country. Yeah, it's absolutely right. I mean, in this particular case, it's high screen, which is sort of. Uh, it's a Russian company, but as with all of these devices, they tend to be built in China by a, a partner manufacturer or an ODM. It, I'm kind of like you getting slightly tired of seeing all these devices get announced and then not really see very much more about them. But of course, you kind of have to step back from the slight cynicism of it and say, this is how that Microsoft is going to build up a whole bunch of new partners. Indeed, it's sort of said it's got about 50 partners working on Windows devices under seven inches. So that obviously does include some tablets. But that's, you know, a marked contrast to a year ago where really it was about uh, Nokia with Lumia, with Samsung and HTC kind of peripherally involved. And HTC's obviously released the M8 Windows Edition and uh, Samsung has done a Windows 8 device, a couple of them. But, you know, it's important to have a broad range of manufacturers. And these devices are, as you say, Steve, all coming in kind of the same kind of area because they're based off the reference device. They're either Snapdragon 200 or 400. Uh, just mentioning these high screen ones in particular, they're called the WinWin and the WinJoy. Um, you know, they're very minimal in terms of the specifications, the Snapdragon 200, 512 megabytes of RAM, 4 gigabytes of storage and pretty poor camera and battery. But they do come in at sort of uh, the equivalent to about $100 each, which is, you know, not to be ignored completely because those are very cheap devices. But uh, as I've kind of said before when talking about these, I, I find it difficult not to sort of go to people, well, have a look at the 530 or the 630 in the Lumia range because honestly, you're going to get better value uh, there in terms of kind of the long-term support and the extras that you get from the Lumia software. Uh, that said, of course, most people looking at buying these kind of devices aren't going to be, geeks aren't really going to be into choosing their phones. They're probably looking for something simple and easy to use, in which case a Windows phone device may well be a, a decent choice. But uh, 
as Steve said to me before we uh, record this podcast, there's a limited amount of coverage we can do without actually seeing the devices in the shops in the UK or having a chance to review them. So if there's any manufacturer listening to this who wants to send us over one of these devices, by all <laughs> means uh, do so. We've been in contact with a couple and actually part of it is they're not available in the UK, so they're not really geared up for doing review devices. Uh, we will uh, look into sort of getting hold of some by fair means or foul, just so we can give you some full coverage on them. But I think uh, for most people, they're going to be more interested in devices like the uh, Lumia 735 and particularly the 830, which I think might have a bit of appeal even to people who are looking for a, a, a higher end device. But uh, I know there's some other news and bits and pieces to get through. So let's see if we can cover some of that, Steve. Okay, well, uh, this is one close to my heart. Nokia Glance got updated while you were away in America. Um, for those devices running Windows Phone 8.1, it's now got hooks in for the, well, I say Bing weather. It's not Bing weather. It's in MSN weather and also the health and fitness applications under micro, from Microsoft Stable. Both can poke information directly to Glance screen. And so if you look at the um, the news that I put up, really, really useful to have the, the basic three-day weather forecast as well as time and day always on, literally. Well, actually, actually the, the weather part is peaked. You have to wave your hand across it, but then it stays on for a number of seconds. So it's effective is on whenever you need it and have that as part of glance is really really useful and i still maintain is a complete unique selling point of windows phone and i'll shout about it from the rooftops yeah i'm, I'm going to agree with you here i mean it, it's fair to say this kind of active idle or whatever you're going to call it is available on a few android devices but it's available on more of the lumia range than you, you typically get and we will give a shout out to the 930 which doesn't have the uh, display memory so it can't have glance screen one of the big irritations of that yeah. device um, I, I would like to see this develop a bit further so that you can have more than one thing on the screen at the time because at the moment you're kind of making a choice between weather and as you say health and fitness in, in the health and fitness terms it's basically the step counter but now that a lot of the devices have them always on motion chip built in it's actually more useful than you might imagine because you can use it as kind of the equivalent to a, a fitbit or a jawbone up uh, and just have that you know footsteps counter display you know just when you take the phone out of your pocket as steve says on some devices you'll have to uh, get it to peak to come up on on it but it, it's nice to see this and this was something that microsoft announced at ifa in berlin and kind of under the skin one of the things that's worth noting is they've done this by sort of building uh, a set of apis that currently are private but if you look at what's happened before with things like the motion chip and uh bluetooth low energy it's likely that we'll see microsoft sort of release an sdk that third-party applications will also be able to integrate into this uh, glance screen functionality and that's something i'm really looking forward to seeing because of course it's really only as useful as the information you can display on it and while i think a lot of people be quite content with weather there's certainly the the potential to do some other things as well um, there hasn't been any information on when that SDK might be available, but it's probably something to look out for uh, maybe towards the end of this year or even early next year. Kind of glance screen will become even more useful. Uh, and the fact that it is available on such a large range of devices and is kind of, you know, almost a standard part of the platform now, it's pretty exciting in terms of what third party developers might choose to integrate. You, you compare that to some of the Motorola devices where you know, have similar functionality, but you tend not to get the third party integration. So definitely one to watch. And uh, it just just gives you one more reason to use glance screen and one more reason to get irritated by devices that don't have support for the glance screen. Oh, the poor 930 and 735. But there <laughs> we go. What can you do? 
Anyway, um, uh, one other story. Uh, Windows Phone 8.1 applications are apparently unable to track location in the background. There are lots of developers getting very cross with Microsoft that uh, the uh, – I could be speaking out of turn here, but this is Silverlight for uh, 8.1 and the universal applications. Maybe I'm talking across purposes, but essentially developers aren't able to develop for proper Windows Phone 8.1 in universal apps and leave, um, for example, um, uh, files downloading, GPS tracking – fitness tracking, all of these things are severely limited because Microsoft pushed out Windows Phone 8.1 um, Update 1 without having time to finish all the various APIs. Now, the developers are optimistic, as I understand it. Uh, I was chatting to Richard Castle from Ignis Software, who makes Podcast Lounge. As I understand it, they, Microsoft know about the problems, they know about the emissions, and they are going to open up the APIs. And hopefully, at some point in the next two or three months, we will be having Windows Phone 8.1 applications that can access fitness gadgets and GPS uh, and so forth, all in the background. So these things will resolve themselves. But in the meantime, I've put up some links in the news story for people to go on to Microsoft's um, WP Dev user voice forums and actually add their vote. If enough people point out to Microsoft this is a big problem, then hopefully Microsoft will prioritize it and uh, this will come out in 8.1, update 1, or maybe even update 2 as soon as possible. Yeah, it's a bit annoying to see this kind of thing happen because, I mean, I would agree that background tracking is one of those functions you certainly want in the platform. I, mean, I guess it's the old story of sometimes things get pushed in order to get a, a release out. It, I mean, it is probably worth saying here that kind of existing apps that use this functionality won't suddenly stop working because they can be built against the Windows Phone 8.0 SDK. And Absolutely. You know, yeah, they yeah. work perfectly well. But obviously there are some features in 8.1 that those kind of applications might want to use. And at the moment, they can't use them because if they build against 8.1, then the location stuff will stop working. Yeah. So it's not quite a Microsoft have hideously removed something to stop everything working. It's actually more a case of, I don't think 8.1 in terms of the developer APIs was, was quite finished off. And it you know, obviously something like this background location is pretty sensitive in terms of data usage and battery usage. And my suspicion would be that they weren't quite able to perfect it for whatever reason, you know, especially with the move towards the universal apps. And they opted to take it out rather than leave it in and then have sort of apps unexpectedly draining the battery in the background, which was the kind of danger with this. And, you know, we have seen Microsoft move towards an approach of releasing much more regular updates. So I think it's quite likely that this is something that's going to get fixed um, in one of the sort of in-between software updates, one of the GDR releases. And obviously Microsoft's already started talking about the next one of those and Lumia Denim is going to be running on top of that. It's not quite clear at, at the moment whether the, the developer previous I understand doesn't have this in yet, but of course it could well be added back in for the kind of the, the full release, if you like. So um, while I, I'm always uh, happy to sort of, give uh, Microsoft's developer team a kicking when they get things wrong. And it, it does happen. And you do think, oh, surely someone would have, have thought about something, which is a pretty core function. You know, background tracking of location is, is not a new thing, but uh, it's not quite as serious as people might see when reading the headlines. And uh, certainly it's something I would expect to be fixed in short order. Uh, and in the meantime, it's a bit frustrating that some of those 8.1 features and after all, it's actually tends to be the fitness and tracking applications that probably want to use some of the new Bluetooth low energy functionality, maybe for a heart rate monitor or something like that, mm -hmm. and want to maintain the background location. There is a bit of a, a gap there at the moment. So I, I'm not going to let Microsoft off, all, off the hook altogether. Yes, they can have Bluetooth LE, but no, not GPS, or GPS, but not Bluetooth <laughs> LE. 
<laughs> yeah, well, um, except you can do it sort of in 8.0. I mean, as I say, these things are never quite as simple as they may, may first appear, but um, yeah, it's one of those things that's obviously fallen through the gaps and I think Microsoft are probably suitably embarrassed that people have noticed and started complaining about it. Yeah, well, let's hope it gets resolved. Anyway, um, Skype Quick, I hope I pronounced that right, um, has launched today. It's very topical for this podcast. Um, the rather curious thing, Rafe, and this is, Skype Quick is a kind of a, a video messaging service, and uh, presumably based on the, the Quick service that was around in 2011 got bought out. Um, the curious thing, it's got the word Skype in the name, but it's nothing whatsoever to do in terms of integration with the actual Skype platform and the Skype application. This works exactly like WhatsApp and is based around phone numbers. It doesn't use your Skype login details or your Skype contacts at all, as far as I can see. So do you think this is kind of a misstep? Do you think this is a niche product that won't take off? It's difficult to tell. I mean, I had a quick play with this and thought, yeah, it's well enough designed. It worked well. Uh, and it is available across a whole bunch of platforms. I think Microsoft are probably looking to leverage the the Skype name. And you know, there has been this trend in apps to kind of unbundle functionality. You know, Facebook did it with the Messenger functionality after all, and uh, Foursquare did it with uh, with Swarm. And so this is a trend we're seeing more of. It. And obviously, the idea for this is if you make things simpler, you'll increase the size of your addressable market. You know, the number of people who are going to use this will increase if you take out the functionality, make it simpler. You know, it's just a bit more user friendly. Um, that's kind of a very simplified version of what's quite a complex uh, trend. Um, but yes, I, I thought a little bit more connection to Skype probably wouldn't go amiss. And, and to me, it also seems a slight mis- misuse of the Quick brand. I mean, Quick was originally about kind of live streaming video in a, in a broadcast manner, not sort of uh, you know, video messing. It, it did you know, obviously pivot a little bit and then uh, Microsoft or Skype bought them because they wanted some of their, well, its patents and the kind of the video compression technology and that's since been used, as I understand it, in Skype's uh, mobile apps. And is obviously they're kind of like, bringing the brand back to life. Uh, maybe there's an advantage to, to doing that. And it's quite a memorable name. Uh, but there are so many of these uh, cross-platform messaging services it's difficult to see how something like this will, will stand out. You know, uh, Skype had the ability to leave video messages and this is actually something a bit different. It's kind of, you know, intended for quick back and forth messages and there's kind of, you can record some responses and have them sent automatically and that kind of thing. Um, I probably need to have a, have a play with this, use it in anger in the real world rather than sort of trying to talk about it when it's just been released. But, uh, it, it, it doesn't feel like a totally seamless fit. Uh, but I do like the idea of unbundling functionality from more complex applications. And for me, Skype is really about uh, calling and to a certain extent, um, kind of instant tech, uh, text conversations. And I actually mean a chat as in when I use Skype, I expect the person to kind of reply to me straight away. And it's kind of the old IM scenario versus WhatsApp, which is more of a replacement for text messages for me. Now, some people We'll, we'll use it in an IM-like way or for a continuous chat back and forth. I wonder whether there is a kind of space for this kind of video chat that's either synchronous or asynchronous. Mm, uh, I, I'm not sure. I mean, Steve, do you think you, you'd use this? Uh, I think I would use it. Um, 
having said that, I do switch my sims around <laughs> quite a bit. And I think, <laughs> as with WhatsApp, I would I find it very confusing moving my WhatsApp and, in this case, Skype quick accounts between devices. And I think the whole system would have fallen to bits for me. So I, I think I'd rather let you beta test this one and okay, give your well, opinions. I'll, I'll take one for the team here. And I, I, I yeah. will admit to uh, picking up the wrong device and sort of um, saying, oh, bother under my breath when I can't yeah. use WhatsApp on it because I've transferred it to another phone or the sim's exactly. living somewhere else. Exactly, my point proven. Anyway, I think that they would do better if they just called it Microsoft Quick and left the Skype bit off. I think they're just confusing people unnecessarily, yeah. but uh, there we go. Um, one more story. Uh, ColourPop has returned. Hurrah! Woo-hoo. It's a creative studio, which has been, we've been waiting for for now two or three months. Basically, they, they rewrote Creative Studio for Windows Phone 8.1 and did a very nice job of completely reworking the interface in an, in an intuitive fashion. But they didn't have time to finish the ColourPop function. They've now done that. And it's just proved just how hard it is to do a really good ColourPop. It's trying to do all sorts of examples. <laughs> and it's, they're actually quite, it's quite time consuming to find the right subject and then be able to paint it accurately on screen because there's no zoom facility yet i, I really wish, wish they let you you know multi-touch zoom in then do your c- color pop painting and then zoom out again as it is you kind of have to work from the overview and that's tricky yeah you do have to sort of not get lucky exactly but if you take the right photo where the colors are, are well defined you can often uh, produce something quite good with the kind of fully automatic effect but if you've got something where the, the boundaries are less clear or you've got a multicolored cat or something like that you do as c says have to do this kind of painting i mean i do think you can achieve some really great looking results with uh, color pop and it's one of the features i was kind of very sad to see it didn't make it into the first version because creative studio is one of those kind of unsung hero applications given that so many photos get shared on social media the ability to do a certain amount of editing you know, before you do that on your phone. Yeah. And of course, it's not Photoshop. And of course, it's all kind of canned elements, if you like. Uh, but it is very user-friendly. And I know um, I have family members who use this because it's that kind of simple, easy-to-use functionality. Uh, and ColourPops is one of those ones that's really very eye-catching. If you're showing a photo via WhatsApp or you're uploading it to Twitter, it's something I really, really like. And you can actually, you know, using Creative Studio, you can create some quite professional looking effects but like you say uh, previously it was possible to kind of zoom in and, and edit a bit more carefully the kind of color pop stuff and that's not possible um with creative studio i haven't downloaded this new update i did have a play with it when i was in in berlin but uh, yeah a welcome return and you kind of think we're always interested to see what the uh, imaging teams over in lund come up with next yeah, I'm a big fan of Creative Studio, and I, I have to say, I probably use it every single week. Every single week, I take at least one photo, which I want to just touch up before I share it, and, you know, to perhaps change the saturation or contrast or vibrance or clarity, and just basically fiddle with it and make it look nice. And I know that's cheating, but hey, <laughs> it's only going up to Twitter. <laughs> um, live Tile Clock, one final application before we get to the hardware. A Live Tile Clock I featured um, brings the time front and center to your home screen, to your start screen. And people were saying in the comments, Steve, what's the point? You've got the time on your windows phone screen already it's the top in the status bar it says the time that's not the point i like to have a nice analog face uh, you know, nice and big and friendly very visible just staring at me at the top of my start screen whenever i i turn my phone screen on and it it is a really nicely done application rave you can get about five or six um clock faces for free they update roughly once a minute so you're never more than 60 seconds out or so um, which is good enough for 99.9% of people um, and you, there are a bunch of premium and weird and wacky uh, clock faces which you can buy as in-app purchases if you like but um, I think it's really nicely done 
Yeah, I think this is clever because the app model makes sense. You know, freemium, being able to get some extra clock faces buying, unlocking. I'm absolutely fine with doing things like that. Um, I think Steve's not admitting to the fact that you know, he can't actually read the time in the top right-hand corner <laughs> without putting his glasses on or something. Actually, he's probably wearing glasses all the time. But we, we won't mock him too much because I have exactly the same problem, especially in the morning when I've taken my glasses off, um, which is why I always read the time off the lock screen, even if I have to press it several times. Um, but... Yeah, it, it, it's a nice app and uh, it's kind of speaks to that customization of Windows Live tiles. Uh, I haven't looked at, into it in detail, but obviously having the regular updates, it potentially could drain your battery a bit more. But if you're not in the habit of leaving your phone on the start screen for long periods of time, probably be absolutely fine with that. And I think if it does have an impact on battery life, it's going to be pretty minor. You can probably uh, get much bigger savings by switching off, you know, various radios or adjusting the display and things like that. So, uh, yeah, really nice uh, extra app. And there, there are a couple of other apps that do something similar, but this one does stand out as having a little bit more thought put into the uh, clock faces. So, yeah, thumbs up from me too. Good, good. Okay. Now, on to hardware. Now, last week in the podcast, two weeks ago, actually, in the podcast, we covered our first impressions of the Lumia 735 and both agreed it was really nicely built, nicely designed, which is with a couple of minor uh, gotchas and no, not having glance screen is one of them, but you can perhaps understand it at the price. We've since had um, uh, uh, Ewan's first impressions and my formal review. I I guess we don't want to spend too long on this because then we won't get to the eight thirty. So in in perhaps sort of ninety seconds, could you summarise your uh, any any remaining views on the seven three five before we move on? I, I haven't had a chance to play with one of these long term, so I'd recommend that you go and read um, you know, Steve's review. It is tempting to focus on the absence of things, you know, like glance screen and you know various other bits and pieces that aren't in there. But I think you actually have to talk about what is in there, uh, given the price, and it's actually coming down in price already. You know, it's a yeah. sort of two hundred pound mark, and I expect it to drop further. But for me, the thing that still stands out most about this device is the design. Y- you know, you can find a lot of devices at this price point. Um, and perhaps even get a better specification. But I think you're going to have to search quite a long way to find a design that's as good as this uh, at that price point. Yeah. And yes, it's plastics, but it's the high quality Nokia plastics. If you're someone who wants metal, you know, you're not going to be interested. You're going to look for another phone. But at that price point, you know, finding a good quality metal phone is all but impossible. And so that's what stands out for me together with the quality of the screen, which yeah. is more than I'd expect at this device point agreed and also the quality of the camera which of course it's not high end but actually it's kind of a a true successor to the 720 in that sense in that it has got you know a high quality screen and and for me that high quality screen and camera probably the two most important things for me when looking at a mid-tier device yeah and uh, in common with the 830 i i think that uh Maybe it's Windows Phone 8.1 Update 1 and Lumia Denim that's making the difference, but the Nokia's image processing algorithms in the 735's main camera and the front camera, and also in the 830's camera, I think are a, a next another notch above what they've done in previous um, generations, Lumia Sign and Lumia Black. And I thought the, you know, the 1020 and the 925 and the 920 and so forth, I thought they're already pretty stunning devices in terms of image quality, but... The 830 in particular and the 75, they, they produce almost miracles with relatively small sensors. And it's got to be purely down to Nokia's software and the image processing algorithms. I was just blown away. My 830 um, camera comparison, which I did with the 1020, expecting there to be a vast gulf between the two, the 1020 being the camera champion. I remember this wasn't even looking at you know speed and the, the user experience. This was talking about raw image quality. 
Well, I was expecting the 8.30 to be quite a way behind. In actual fact, the 8.30 wasn't a million miles behind. And in one of the test cases, the night shot, I think it produced a better result than the pure view oversampling, all signal dancing 10.20. So leaving aside my usual gripes about lack of xenon, and that's a whole rant for another podcast, leaving that that use case aside of indoors moving subjects, the 8.30 gets a, a, an awful long way towards the, the image quality of the top camera phones in the world, um, and yet at a relatively small price. The 8, 8.30 is now at about £300, including VAT in the UK, and they say that's going to come down to about 260 270 which will make it really, really good value. Um, any Before we move on to the gen- generics of the 8.30, any comments on my camera comparison? Uh- no, like you, I was sort of somewhat taken aback by the, the quality of the 830 camera. I saw this in Berlin. I've since had a look at your kind of review comparison. And while, you know, clearly you can pick out differences, what's most startling really is the closing of the gap between these mid-tier devices and the, the high-end device in terms of camera quality. What I'd say is it always used to be when you got a, a mid-tier device, you were trading off camera quality that would be notable for most people. Now, I would say, while there is still a difference, I think that good enough barrier has come a lot closer to the mid-tier. And I think that's going to be even more true when we get the uh, Nokia camera uh, software update, which is going to bring in some of the uh, rich aperture technology to the 830. It's also going to give a big boost to the 930 and the 1520 as well. Yeah. Uh, more on that in kind of uh, uh, another podcast. But talking about both the 735, 730 and the 830, what really strikes me here is that I think... Microsoft has delivered some really great mid-range Lumia devices. I think it's a good time for them to do that because it feels like mid-tier devices you know, are starting to come up the agenda a bit as people are starting to realise, do I really want to buy a flagship at £500 um, when I'm starting to see that the, the cost of doing so is a bit more visible as you know uh, contracts are now being unbundled and you're seeing the kind of the, the cost of the subsidy for these phones being separate to that of the service charge for you know your data, your minutes and your text messages. Uh, that's going to be more true in some markets than the others. Uh, and honestly, the sort of justification for buying the high-end device, I feel, is smaller than it has been for well, as long as I can remember. It always used to be, you know, you could really understand what you were getting with the, the flagship, and there is still a difference. You know, don't get me wrong, you, know, you do get extra on the components and on the design, and the build. Um, but you you look at some of these the screens; a great example. Yeah, seven twenty p on this seven thirty five and on the eight thirty. There's not that much difference up to you know the the 930 with the 1080p now of course if you put them side by side you'll immediately pick out a difference and if you switch from one to the other you will notice it in the first few days give yourself a couple of days you get accustomed to it and you you don't feel like there's a big gap and i would contrast that to the older mid-tier devices where you had the the 480 by 800 screens you know resolution and it, it was a downgrade you know it was something that was a, a visible difference so all of those uh, component gaps have actually shrunk now for the mid-tier devices it's kind of a reflection of the way that the smartphone market in general is sort of commoditizing has become more mature you know you'll always get more if you pay more money but the kind of uh, the marginal gains or the incremental benefit you get from that is smaller than it has ever been and so it makes these mid-tier devices really stand out if you add that together with what uh, Microsoft has done with the design on the 735, and I think the 830 is almost an even better design, but we'll talk about that in a minute, then you've got devices that are fantastic value for money. And just as they did some really great low-end devices, 
I think Microsoft and the Lumia range has now really nailed the mid-tier. So it'll be interesting to see how they do compared to other devices because I think they're very competitive there, particularly when you look at the performance, you know, Snapdragon 400 and the, the RAM there. When, on some of the Android devices, if you start to load them up, they can slow down a bit. And, you know, those mid-tier Android devices, some very good ones out there, you know, the Motorola G second edition in particular, but there's others as well. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. If anything, what it does is make the high-end Lumias, the 930, the 1520 is kind of in a class of its own because it is that fablet design, but particularly the 930 looks quite a bit weaker. And honestly, I'd almost say I'd choose an 830 over the 930 um, for, for a lot of the use yeah. cases. It's not just the glance screening. The, the camera is good enough. It's also about the size and the design. Um, I'll change a bit when some new software bits come out that give the 930 maybe a little bit of an edge again. But, I mean, Steve, you've now been able to use the 830 for a few days. I mean, what do you make of the design? I think it's um, it's not quite as uh, holistically perfect as the 735, which really felt like a, a unibody. You, know, you absolutely knew you were holding something that was ter- of terrific integrity. The 830... 830, you can tell it's kind of a composite device with a peel-off back cover, and it's very evident when your fingers rub around the back, but it is nicely curved, and when the back's on, it's, it's not too distracting, and I, I do love the aluminium frame, which is very, very solid in the hand, and again, reminiscent of that 930, but at a much lower price. Uh, you did mention the display just now, just which is a small point. You were saying, well, the 930's display is superior when you put them side by side, but hang <laughs> on a minute. They're both five inches. The the 930 is 1080p pentile, which means that if you mm. think of the number of red and blue pixels across the screen, that's only, that's only uh, half the amount, whereas the 720p screen on the 830 is full RGB, which means you get the full 720 red and blue pixels across the screen. So you could actually argue that this 830 has got a high-resolution screen. <laughs> yes, uh, actually, and that's a, a technical point that was made to me a while back. I thought, yeah, that's fair enough. I would still maybe give the 930 the edge and just the, the way it looks but it's not a bigger difference as you'd imagine but actually the far bigger issue for me uh, is outdoor visibility and the 830 does well there so does the yeah. 930 but then what's the third thing you you think about it's glance screen and the 830 does support it and for me that's kind of the thing that gives it the edge over the 930 glance screen is that important to you know something i really like using and i really miss when i've been using the 930 that ability to have it sitting on your desk or your bedside table and just look across and see what the time is or you know even if you're having it on peak mode where you have to wave something across the phone i mean i i tended to leave it on always on because i didn't mind the the battery hit that happened because of that and so for that reason you know the screen on the 830 almost gets a nod despite you know if you look on the spec sheet being kind of um, a, a lower quality component the other thing is i think the 830 is a smaller device it's uh, slightly thinner uh, that's partly a result of, of the design which i think it probably most closely resembles the 925 with elements of the 930 bought in it does have those uh, that very bright orange or bright green option also the more conservative choices as well uh, but that's a design i really like because it just feels a little bit smaller in the hand because it's not quite as thick and um, without compromising too much on on battery capacity in fact the 830 has got a, a very good capacity battery 
Um, and so you look at it against the 930 and you slightly shake your head a little bit uh, and you wonder, yeah. you know, can the 930 truly be called kind of a big flash flagship over the 830? Now, the pricing of the 930 has come down as it always does. And so it's not so far off the 830. But once the 830 has that typical price price drop, you know, away from the £300 it's currently priced at, it's only going to be going, you know, the 830 is a much better proposition, much better value device overall. Um yeah. The, the one thing we should probably point out that it, it doesn't have the Snapdragon 800 processor. So in some cases, the performance may not be as good. As we've said before, on Windows Phone, it's far less noticeable than on other platforms. And you're going to be, have to really push it to notice it. Um, you can also talk about the internal memory, but the 830 kind of really negates that point by having the micro SD card slot. So I mean, I, I, when I first saw the 830, I thought this is exactly the sort of device that Steve would want only if they put a 1020 camera in the back of it. Uh, absolutely. And, and apart from the, the Xenon flash, I think the 830 is, is very close to my perfect Windows phone. Also, you mentioned battery capacity. The other fact that the battery is removable or replaceable. And I know it's difficult to find re- <laughs> replacement batteries with some of these weird and wacky knocky batteries in recent times. But it, the, the facility is there, and that, that's important to me. Uh, also, the RAM, you, you did mention that the um, processors are cut down from the 930. Also, just to mention, the RAM is, is, is one gigabyte rather than two. But we've seen a lot of Nokia Lumia devices, Windows phones with one gig of RAM. They're absolutely fine, and they can run every single application, every game. So... I really don't think that's going to be an issue either. Finally, just going back to the camera very briefly, um, I mean, I I did the test against the 1020. I I know Mark from the PureView Club was out and about testing. There's an article up on his um, site today where he's comparing the 830 with the 930. And in almost every case, the 830 won. Whether it's down to the 830 sensor being better, whether the 930's camera and sensor and so on, electronics underperforming, whether it's due to Lumia Denim and the fact that the that the algorithms they put in place really are that much better is is unclear at this point. I mean, I'm just very, 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 very impressed all round. Yeah, I mean, it certainly seems that the difference difference isn't all that great. I mean, obviously you're working with uh, slightly less megapixels, and that does have a bit of an implication when you're doing some of the reframing work or when you're doing sort of video work as well. But it's not that big a difference. Uh, I suspect there is a certain amount of the image processing algorithm in here, but I mean, given that the 830 is effectively a new camera module, it's impressive that the imaging teams have been able to tune it so finely out of the gate and it, it just does serve as a good reminder just how important those image processing algorithms are you kind of look at some of the uh, competing devices and i actually think a lot of the problems that they have in terms of camera performances you know, less about a big difference in the kind of the co- components uses you know the optical format size and that kind of thing and actually it does come down to the image processing algorithms and i think a a good example of this is something like the apple iphone 6 it's you know not using anything particularly novel in terms of the components there there is some stuff in there but it 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 is perceived to have an advantage over its competitors because its uh, image processing algorithms are so strong and it seems to me there's only you know two two teams in the in the in the race at the moment and that is that kind of the lumia imaging team uh, and, and what Apple's doing, and they're certainly going to be fighting for the crown or kind of top smartphone. Uh, the 1020 still wins it, and, and that's basically down to the rules of physics. But when you look at kind of these more standard, you know, lots of the, the specialist or standalone devices, uh, the 
Uh, 8.30 is a really strong contender. It does make you wonder about, you know, will the 9.30 be improved with denim? And, you know, does uh, Nokia have something up their sleeve in, in the future? But uh, just to, so it feels like a praise fest for the 8.30, but it really is a device that I really like. It's, you know, it, it's, it fixes a lot of the problems that I've had with the 9.30. Now, don't get me wrong, I've enjoyed using the 9.30. It's been a, a great device and was a step forward overall from the 925 but it'll be interesting to see if i can get hold of an 830 yeah. whether i actually you know switch to using it um it sounds like steve you're quite close to switching to the 830 at least for a little while to try it out for a bit longer which i, I don't think if i'd asked you a year ago you'd have been expecting to say about a mid-tier device possibly not and it's also rather telling that when the 930 was here for a month or so and i was doing the review I had to I had to motivate myself to pick it up. It was just so uninspiring. Um, and I, I had zero desire to make it my main phone. The 830, I want to keep picking it up. I want to, I, I'm, <laughs> I want to keep experimenting. I, 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 I like the device. I like the concept. I like the speed. I like the possibilities. When this Lumia camera software arrives, I like, I'm going to really enjoy putting that through its paces to see if it can hold up. Get to, whether all of that can offset my beloved Xenon, because it, it, just, it just might. It just might, and that will shock everyone. But it the will. 830, I really enjoy using. I really enjoy picking up every day, and I think Nokia will let us ha- hang on to this one for a bit longer, because we've got to at least test Lumia Camera. Yeah, we should just explain that Lumia Camera is uh, an update that's coming for the Nokia Camera application, and this is going to uh, add some of the camera features that were talked about in Berlin. Now, it's going to be on the 1520, the uh, 9.30 and the 8.30. Now, the 8.30, as I understand it, won't be getting kind of the 4K capture part of it. It will still be 2K video capture. That's partly about the uh, resource constraints from the Snapdragon 400 processor. But it will be getting the, the rich capture in the, the sort of the HDR photos, the sort of two contrasting light conditions, the flash on and off uh, photos. And that's something I'm really keen on because it's kind mm. of an always-on thing. And so it's not having to choose a mode before you... Uh, Absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's not exactly a holy grail, but for me, that is a, a big, big deal. And so we yeah. will be uh, covering that in more detail. It'll be interesting to obviously compare the 830 against the 930 then, because it will then be on the same kind of image processing algorithms. And uh, I suspect for the kind of the moment capture, which is where it extracts stills from the 4K video, the 930 will will have an inevitable advantage over the 830. Uh, but uh, what's, what, what strikes me as interesting about this is if you look at, again, it's that price point thing. If you look at where the 830 is and you can, you know, it's significantly cheaper than the 500 pound flagship. So it's not quite half the price, but you can kind of see it getting there in time. It, it represents fantastic value for money for people who don't want to spend 500 pounds on a flagship device. And, you know, when people ask you to recommend a phone, you're sort of going, well, actually, you know, do you really want to spend that much? And that's where the 830 and, you know, similar mid-tier devices come in. And yeah. uh, I think um, Microsoft might have a bit of a, a sleeper hit on their hands with this. They are going to have to position it in the right way, and get operators to take it up. Mid-tier devices have always tended to fall between two stools in recent years, between the kind of the ultra-cheap devices under £100, or under £150, and then the £400-plus devices. But I just have a feeling, you know, a sense that the mid-tier is maybe coming back a bit. And so... Um, there are very few compromises yeah. in the 830. Uh, and, and for me, that's that's the thing that really makes it stand out. You know, it's got the design right. It's got the component choice right. You know, it's going to be a pretty future-proof device as well. So uh, yeah. really, really interesting device. I can't wait to actually uh, try one out 
for a couple of weeks myself but uh, Steve will be reporting more on the 8.30 over the next few weeks and will of course be doing the full rundown of Lumia camera as and when that happens that's probably still a month or so away yeah and I did do an article on the site I'll actually just mention very briefly and we'll put a link in the show notes so, talking about um, the, never mind the affordable flagship we want an actual flagship and I was referring there to, the, to a mythical I don't know 10.30 or whatever Nokia or Microsoft might have up their sleeve I'm kind of thinking that might have been cancelled at this point after all the shenanigans and Microsoft buying Nokia. And so I don't really think it's going to happen in the short term. But the, the point is, Ray, not to go too far down that, that rabbit hole, but let's look at the price for a moment. Never mind asking for a 1030. Um, the 830 are under £300. Um, an iPhone 6, which is, you know, arguably the most desirable smartphone of our time, is what all the, all the commuters want to be seen with in the city. An iPhone 6 sort of starts at about 550, 560, 580, £600, something in that region. You can buy two brand new 830s for that price, or even three 735s. And you, you can't, you can't really argue with that sort of math. You, you and your wife or your partner or could both have a brand new 830 for the same price as one person having an iPhone 6. Yeah, uh, you know, you're absolutely right. And it's staggering when you think about it. And I would say that you'd be able to get, you know, a very significant portion of the functionality and quality from the 830 that you can from the iPhone. Now, there's inevitable questions about apps and all that kind of thing, but kind of ignore that for a moment in terms of being able to, you know, see the screen, capture memories, get photos, email and all that kind of thing. Actually, the 830 is a supremely capable device. And, and the point you made in this sort of uh, editorial about a, a flagship was it, it feels like there is a kind of a missing gap at the top from Windows. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier in the podcast. feels like the Lumia portfolio has really nailed the low end and now the mid-tier. But there's a bit of a gap at the, the top end in the 930. Yeah feels like a bit of a damp squib when you put it next to the 830 and the 1020 is now sort of getting a bit long in the tooth and if we're honest that kind of specialist device while it would be a a flagship probably isn't a mainstream flagship because of the size and everything else there there's a certain amount that could maybe be done with the camera but you know there is an update to maybe a bit more ram and actually i think particularly built-in memory as well that's a potential area also some something really premium design i mean you can see what htc has done with the m8 device and that fit feels like a top-end device where you're paying the extra to get kind of a almost a fashion icon or a, a kind of something that's got a real design element to it that uh, you know the lumia range has attempted to do the same thing and, and don't get me wrong i think the 930 is an attractive device but there's room for improvement there yeah. and actually putting something extra in in terms of the components um you know, the the 830 manages to squeeze the g charging in there as well and actually i just feel that it's a, a phone that's more suitable for kind of more people because the size is right the design's right the components are right and you know you put that up against a lot of the flagships you go well actually you know why would you buy that or spend that extra amount of money and particularly when you're looking in the lumia range it's kind of hard to justify and so it feels like there needs to be something else there so people should go and read this uh uh, feature that you've done actually some of the comments in it are, are, are great as well now i wouldn't necessarily agree with steve that it needs a kind of 10 20 41 megapixel camera in there you know you i think there's perhaps uh, a middle of the road there so the device doesn't end up too thick but uh, i can definitely go for a device that maybe has 64 gigabytes of uh, memory built in maybe some extra premium features it, it's kind of hard to think about what extra you would add as i said at the beginning of this podcast you know commoditization of the market and maturity of smartphones things feel like they're plateauing and so of course it makes these mid-tier devices feel like even better value for money 
uh, and particularly when you see you know, the consistency of performance across the Windows Phone range, um, you know, <laughs> by making these mid-tier devices so good, Microsoft has perhaps you know created a problem for itself. Actually, it doesn't because people will always sort of you know, be aspirational, look to get the next one up the series. But if you're a canny smartphone buyer or you know someone who's looking for something up from the you know the six thirty, you, know, you just want to spend that bit more money so you get a really nice device. I don't think you can go wrong with the eight thirty. Yeah, absolutely right. I think we've praised these devices far too much. People will accuse us, as they always do, of being fanboys. We're not fanboys. These are simply very, very good devices. When when some of the turkeys in, in Microsoft's and Nokia's Windows phone lineups, the, the, the Lumi 900 kind of springs to mind, and there have been a few others. There. Um, but these two are genuinely really nice smartphones. Do go and read the reviews on the site. We, we do give all the pros and cons. There are some there are minor downsides. The full review of the 830 will be up within the next couple of days, and you'll be able to read 3,000 words or so um, going into great detail. But in the meantime, I think we should draw this to a close, Rafe, because we've been nattering on for now 45 minutes. Yeah, no, it is a, a good point to draw close. We will be coming back to both these devices, not just because we think they're so good. As Steve said, there have certainly been some some turkeys over the years, uh, but it is worth flagging up when we think the, these are, I think the 830 in particular feels like one of the best Lumia devices that has been built ever. Um, and I think, you know, in the same way that the 1020 stood out, the 830 will stand out as a mid-range device that people enjoy buying and remember very fondly. But it is time to draw it to a close. As ever, we always welcome your feedback. You can do that via the email addresses, via Twitter or Facebook, all those other channels. It's always great to get your feedback. We've had some of that recently saying how much people have been enjoying the podcast. So thank you for that. And I'll just hand over to Steve for the traditional sign-off and goodbye. Well, yes, and you can also catch Rafe, don't forget, on the 361 Degrees podcast, where I just wish you'd uh, managed to shoehorn this, um, either the 735 or the 830 under Ewan McLeod rules into, into the $100 oh, challenge by, I, by cheating. I, I, I'm really regretting that now. Uh, I mean, I, I'm stuck using a, a 530 uh, for the next couple of weeks, and uh, it has been a little painful. And if an 830 turns up, it's going to be even more painful. Uh, but yes, go and have a look at that 361podcast.com. You'll be able to see how I get on with the Windows phone in the hundred dollar challenge and uh yes i'm the only one who's kept the rules yeah <laughs> anyway thank you very much for listening we're, we're pretty tired here in the uk so we're going to say goodbye we'll catch you next week <laughs>